You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the Ferryman of Souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. Binge the season of The Passage now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We all come in and Pack eventually comes into the meeting about five, 10 minutes late. And he sits down and I remember him saying in this very kind of cliche, sort of 007 evil villain kind of way. This is the beginning of a process. Grant Turner is talking about the first meeting he and his colleagues had with their new boss, a man named Michael Pack. It's June 2020, and Pack is the controversial political appointee of President Donald Trump, newly installed to run the U.S. Agency for Global Media, or USAGM, where Grant Turner is the CFO. The agency runs a number of media networks outside the United States, the best known being Voice of America. They broadcast all over the world, but are especially focused on countries where authoritarian regimes make a free press impossible. And Grant is a real believer in the mission. The agency, I think of as kind of a gift of uh, American values to people around the world. We're demonstrating that it's very important that this unique part of a, of a democratic society function well, and that it's nonpartisan, that it's, it's not a mouthpiece for, for the government. Throughout his time in office, President Trump has often bumped up against this kind of attitude, that various government agencies operate with so-called norms, like independence or nonpartisanship, like the idea that the FBI or intelligence community are quote-unquote apolitical. But it seems like the president finds this idea to be quaint or deeply frustrating. Anyway, he doesn't like it. Why shouldn't USAGM be a mouthpiece for the government? And another thing. It's year four of this administration, and the president is really sick of the media. The constant carping from the failing New York Times, the hostile coverage on CNN, 
it's hard to know exactly when it dawns on the president that the U.S. government actually has its own news organization and that the head of that organization is appointed by the president himself. But now his guy, Michael Pack, is in the job. And Pack has plans to shake things up. He's at the beginning of a process, he says. And the journalists at USAGM are about to find out exactly what that means. I'm Miles Taylor, and this is The Whistleblowers. On this show, we're going deep into the heart of power to meet people who spoke out about wrongdoing from inside the Trump administration. They all had different red lines. Some of them came forward immediately, while others agonized for months, even years. But in the end, they all made the decision that sharing the truth was worth the potential blowback. Now, most whistleblowers we've heard from so far in this series had to face that struggle alone. But in this story, the fight to share the truth was a collective one. Episode 7, Packed and Sacked. The mission for the U.S. Agency for Global Media and its flagship network, The Voice of America, actually goes back to the 1940s. Here's Grant. Really is kind of born out of sort of World War II and and American efforts during World War II to talk to to people who are engaged in that in that great clash and and really it, it sort of matured during the Cold War, you know, in particular talking to people who are living behind the the Iron Curtain. This is a voice speaking from America. A voice from America at war. The news may be good or bad. We shall tell you the truth. Like you hear in that clip from Voice of America, broadcast during World War II, the basic premise is that this news organization is committed to providing uncensored news coverage without a political agenda. And though that mission was especially important during the Cold War, it's continued to this day. Libby Liu was president of Radio Free Asia. Like Voice of America, it's another network run by USAGM. She believes that the agency's work today is just as significant as it was decades ago. Radio Free Asia's mission is to provide uncensored news and information to people living in repressive environments in Asia. So this would be China, North Korea, Myanmar, and Tibet. So these are people that are gaslit by state-controlled media. And the truth resonates. For example, Radio Free Asia has covered the repression and detention of China's Uyghur population, a fact that Chinese state media definitely would not admit. Here's one of those pieces. This video footage is extremely important because this is a real uh, video footage of China transferring Uyghur detainees. They're handcuffed, blindfolded, they're head shaved. But now in 2020, with the pandemic raging and the economy in free fall, there's a lot of news coming out of the United States that's not great. VOA reports the nuts and bolts of the pandemic's devastating impact on Americans to audiences around the world in dozens of languages. But President Trump, who's running for re-election, doesn't want that negative news spreading outside of the United States. And he reacts like he often does. He takes it personally. And like he's prone to do, 
he goes on the attack. If you heard what's coming out of the Voice of America, it's disgusting. What things they say are disgusting toward our country. And Michael Pack would get in, he'd do a great job. The president mentions Michael Pack because his candidate for the top job at USAGM has been tied up in Senate confirmation hearings for years. And Trump is very eager to get PAC into USAGM and shift the focus of the agency's news coverage, make it a little more, let's say, fair and balanced. He's been stuck in committee for two years, preventing us from managing the Voice of America. Very important. Can't get him approved. But why is PAC having trouble getting confirmed? PAC is a documentary filmmaker and also runs a nonprofit filmmaking organization called Public Media Lab. The resume sounds thin, but otherwise okay. NPR media correspondent David Fulkenflick covered USAGM under Michael Pack. I asked him to explain why Pack was such a contentious choice. There were concerns as the months went on about his honesty and integrity. There were questions of whether he had hidden. He had funneled not-for-profit foundation, grant money, donations— uh, through a nonprofit that he and his wife controlled uh, into the for-profit documentary outfit that he was running. The documentary outfit is also most well-known at the time for a glowing documentary about Justice Clarence Thomas with unprecedented access to the reclusive judge. This raises some eyebrows, too, as USAGM is supposed to be strictly firewalled from any association with politics— and Pack's relationship with a certain MAGA flamethrower doesn't help him either. He had also been linked to Steve Bannon, someone notable for his uh, contempt for norms of journalism. He clearly saw uh, news outlets as political cudgels to wield. Bannon also once called Voice of America, and I quote, a rotten fish from top to bottom, unquote. So you know where he stands. Democrats really had some real issues with the degree of uh, ideology that he seemed to bring to the job with his ties to Bannon, who was not only ideological but partisan, in a way that is not in keeping with the best traditions and principles of Voice of America. But in the summer of 2020, Pack finally does make it through the process. He's confirmed by the Senate and takes over as CEO of USAGM. Employees are wary about their new boss, but as Grant Turner describes it, Pack is more than a little wary about them. There is some kind of very strange paranoia with with this team that, that came in where they just kind of didn't trust anyone. They certainly didn't trust the folks who were career civil servants like myself. We were sort of branded as uh, deep state loyalists that were secretly all Democrats who are trying to uh, subvert the Trump administration. And as someone who's made my way in D.C. helping administrations of, of both sides of the aisle, I, I knew that was, that, you know, that was incorrect. Grant decides to go into the first meeting with Pack, keeping an open mind. This is the meeting where Pack talks about the beginning of a process. And that process starts almost as soon as the meeting is over. That's because Pack and his team start firing everyone. Media whisperer Brian Stelter of CNN reported on the widespread sackings. He fired the heads of the Office of Cuba Broadcasting, Middle East Broadcasting Networks, Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty, Radio Free Asia, and the Open Technology Fund. 
Pack said in a memo to staffers that he is fully committed to honoring VOA's charter, the missions of the grantees, and the independence of our heroic journalists around the world. Libby Liu is running the Open Technology Fund at this point, another USAGM agency dedicated to promoting Internet freedom. She decides to resign before she's fired. Now look, lots of new leaders come in and clean house, but these first moves by Michael Pack and his team seem motivated by something specific. I asked David Fulkenflick to explain why certain journalists like Libby Liu were forced out or fired. It was anybody who said, look, you can't do it that way. You might be breaking the law, or this isn't the way this gets done, or this isn't something that's an appropriate role for the oversight part of the agency that administers these networks. He was convinced that everybody there was against him, had been working against him. It was very Nixonian levels of paranoia. He's just as suspicious about potential never-Trump allies as he is of those who might be progressives. One of the staffers he fires is Radio Freeze CEO Jamie Fly, a former aide to Marco Rubio and Jeb Bush. And firing senior staffers is just one move. Starving the beast, meaning not providing the money to various news departments, is another. As CFO, Grant Turner is especially close to this issue, and he's alarmed by what he sees. I'm the one who's providing the money in the CFO's office to all of our networks. I couldn't get approval to to send any money to anyone. I'm kind of just jumping up and down saying these people aren't going to be able to make their payroll. But Pack and company have another tactic that has a much more devastating human cost. They were denying visas uh, to J-1 visa holders, people we had brought to this country because of their language skills uh, to help us communicate to the the vast audiences we have around the world. And if we didn't extend their J-1 visas, they would have to go back to their country, where some of them would be in grave danger because of the broadcasting they did here at Voice of America. Libby Liu. Everybody that works to produce the content at Radio Free Asia is an enemy of the states. So they are living in perpetual danger. But some of them are going back to places where they, you know, they could be harassed, they could be imprisoned, they could be killed. We have a wall in in our building, which is, you know, covered with all the journalists who've died. And the fact that he was so cavalier about that, I just thought it was just a really terrible, uh, immoral thing for him to do. David Fulkenflick again. 23 Voice of America employees and contractors lost their positions because PAC refused to authorize an extension or to sponsor a change in their immigration status. They found themselves jobless, and then at a certain point, they found themselves visaless. The journalists David speaks to are in deep distress. I talked to people in tears. There were people who had to uh, return home, and I have not tracked what happened with all of them. We were also unable to verify what happened to these journalists after they were sent home, in some cases, to hostile countries. It's just a month into PAC's tenure, and it's hard to imagine how things could get worse. But they do. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, 
equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Michael Pack is firing people, and others are resigning. But he's also making some interesting new hires, according to Grant Turner. You know, he brought a guy who used to kind of run a very right-wing radio talk show out of, out of Florida. He kind of dressed up in a, in a full Arab outfit and sort of host this sort of Jihadi Joe segment on, on, his, on his network. This Florida talk show host, Frank Wuko, had done segments on his show that included racist comments about President Barack Obama's, quote, Kenyan heritage and sexist bits about Nancy Pelosi's Botox. He actually came into the administration at the Department of Homeland Security, where I briefly encountered him. Frank was controversial to say the least, and DHS leaders tried to get rid of him. But in typical fashion, the White House just moved him somewhere else. Frank winds up at USAGM as a top advisor. Again, David Fulkenflick. Pack appointed boards that were stocked with figures with very strong hardline ideological beliefs. The group included a guy, he's senior counsel to the conservative Christian evangelical group Liberty Council Action, which has really been 
uh, strongly active against gay and trans rights. He named a woman who was at that time a senior aide at the U.S. Agency for International Development, who is an anti-trans activist. And he named, uh, you know, others with ties to the Trump administration. Two of the people he appointed have ties to groups that were publicly advocating on behalf of Trump's completely baseless claims of widespread voter fraud in 2020. Maybe most notably, PAC brings in someone named Sam Dewey. Here's Grant. He was one of the first folks who came in. He was a lawyer, but he was, in effect, basically just a senior advisor to to Michael Pack. And the person had to uh, surrender his firearms in Maryland because he threatened to kill his father and then kill himself. David Fulkenflick again. He threatened, I believe, his father. He did so in specific detail about the weapon he'd use and other things. And it was pretty graphic to the point where the father uh, took out a restraining order. I feel like that kind of thing usually disqualifies someone for government employment. But norms are made to be broken, I guess. And as troubling as all of this is, Grant's team actually has a more immediate concern. Because the reason that Sam Dewey has been hired is to investigate the agency itself for its alleged bias against the president and his agenda. So there were people at USAGM who, once that was known, became very uneasy with the idea that this was the guy who was investigating them. Um, yeah, that's kind of fair. My job, really, is to drain the swamp, to root out corruption, and to deal with these issues of bias. Like he says in that interview for the conservative news website, The Federalist, Pack is there to weed out journalists within USAGM that he believes are part of this liberal deep state apparatus. One of the first is the head of Voice of America's news coverage for Iran, Sitare Derashesh Sig. I'm Sitare Derashesh. I was the director of the Voice of America Persian service for about eight years. Sitare grew up in Iran in the 1960s and 70s, a turbulent time that led to the ouster of the Shah of Iran and ushered in the Islamic Republic, led by an authoritarian cleric named Ruhollah Khomeini. For anyone aligned with the former regime, it was a treacherous moment. I was born in Iran in a political family. My father was a renowned pro-democracy secular politician. He dedicated his life to the struggle for education reform and political reform in Iran. He was sentenced to death by Khomeini, the founder of the Iranian revolution, when he refused to work with him and the Islamic regime. So we came to the United States when my family was forced to flee Iran, and we were given political asylum in this country. Sitare experienced the value of Voice of America's independent news coverage in a very personal way. When my father was arrested, I heard about his arrest on The Voice of America, and that compelled me to go uh, work for organizations that speak the truth. I took my beliefs and my work to The Voice of America so I could speak directly to the Iranian people. Just like the other journalists Grant and Libby Liu described, Satare was aware of the personal risk that came with this decision. When we launched uh, our first television program in 2003, I was anchor and managing editor for that program, and I was the really the face of the Voice of America Persian. That was a time when my colleagues would not even put their names on the credits. And from that year on, uh, I was the target of 
smear campaigns by the Iranian government. I have been designated in Iran as the enemy of the state, and I receive death threats. Uh, I'm on their blacklist. I can never go back to Iran. Satare had been at Voice of America for 25 years, and she expected smear campaigns and threats of retaliation from the Iranian regime. That was par for the course. But she didn't expect it from her own agency. Her internal alarm started to go off even before PAC took over. It was September of 2019. I received an email from a a newly appointed State Department official who was a Trump loyalist. The email was in reference to what and how the coverage should be done. I thought that there was a clear attempt to wanting to change the coverage. I immediately alerted my supervisor and the head of programming and the VOA leadership. I responded to the email letting the person know that I could discuss process, but not editorial. There are other issues Satari brings to management's attention before PAC's arrival. Incidents where she feels the administration is trying to run interference on her team's news coverage. But when PAC takes charge, her concerns skyrocket. One of the first people who PAC fires is the standards editor for Voice of America, whose job it is to make sure the news coverage complies with journalistic ethics. Right away, Satare files a complaint. It's a move that involves some risk. I was warned by my colleagues at USAGM and at VOA and from people from outside that I should be careful that I was going to get retaliated against for raising these issues. And those people are right. Retaliation is quick. Uh, They had asked Office of the Inspector General all the files, complaints ever received in the agency during the last 15 years about me. They went over my emails from 2012. um, And they were looking for anything that could be used to initiate a dismissal process against me. PAC's team then tells Satare they have found six anonymous complaints, all recently filed, which they say are grounds for her suspension. They include allegations that she's fabricated her resume and used her connections to hook up friends and family members with jobs. And they go public with these so-called findings by sharing them with conservative news outlets. A spokesperson for PAC tells the press, quote, this is the fox guarding the hen house. SIG's record of mismanagement and deception are irrefutable. None of these complaints have any substance. For Satare, the personal attacks and their effect on her professional reputation are one thing. But worse is the self-inflicted damage the agency is doing to its own mission. This is the best gift for the Iranian regime. They used to continuously speak about how you know, there was turmoil inside VOA, there was, you know, infighting and anything that they could find. And this was an easy way for them to say, look, we told you so. And that was the worst weapon they could use against the Voice of America. By the end of August 2020, Michael Pack has shown that he can be incredibly effective at purging people. Satare is under investigation, Libby is out, and many others. But there's still a major thorn in his side. Grant Turner, the man in charge of the money. They were aware that I was raising issues of of big concern. They knew that what they were doing was wrong. 
How exactly did Michael Pack and his team know what they were doing was wrong? Because their CFO kept telling them. Part of being a whistleblower is you have to tell your management chain what they're doing wrong. The Hill was already reaching out to them saying, we want to talk with you. We have concerns about stuff that's happening. The Hill, as in Capitol Hill, which means Congress is getting involved. David Side is an attorney with the Government Accountability Project who works with whistleblowers, including Grant. As CFO, he's in charge of the budget. He's in charge of asking the Congress for money and spending the money that Congress appropriates. And time and again, he went to Mr. Pack and said, look, you know, you're, you're, you've decided to, to cancel an agency's funding, but you can't do that. But Pack and his team are creative, and they finally come up with a way to fire Grant, along with four others. They came across this solution that if they pulled all of our security clearances and said that we shouldn't have security clearances, that they could remove us from our jobs. Our position description said, Grant, for you to serve as CFO, you need to have a security clearance. So if they pulled the security clearance, suddenly I couldn't serve in, in my job anymore. And that ended up being kind of this magic wand that they could kind of wave over the half dozen senior staff at, at the agency and get us out of the way. It's a nifty bureaucratic catch-22. They can only be employed in their roles if they have security clearances for access to classified information. And management decides that their security clearances are out of date. In fact, PAC says that Grant and others are responsible for systemic security failures at the agency, and even goes so far as to imply that they might be in cahoots with foreign governments. He alludes to this theory on the conservative news website the Federalist. The security lapses are, I think, pretty shocking. Foreign intelligence agencies from the beginning of the creation of these agencies have been interested in penetrating them. To be a journalist is a great cover for a spy. This agency is right for these problems. Yeah, there's way more than I thought. David sighed. To be escorted from the building that you've worked in for 10 years and told you have no more duties and to stay home is a horrible experience for anyone let alone someone with a sterling reputation who had no reason to be victimized the way he was. I'm sure that doesn't feel great. But for Grant, it's actually a moment of mixed emotions. There was some relief because every day you're just observing all this kind of, you know, incompetence and carnage around you and just kind of nastiness. And it was just frankly a relief not to have to see these really awful humans That relief is short-lived because Grant knows he can't just walk away. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today 
at purdueglobal.edu. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table, because geek culture is pop culture, and we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't just going to happen under under cover of darkness and no one would, would ever know the horrible things that were going on. I wasn't just going to let them wreck the agency and sit silently by. I talked to the Government Accountability Project because I wanted to make sure I did it the right way. And I wanted to make sure uh, very much that it was that it was bipartisan. So Grant meets with whistleblower attorney David Side and decides to file an official complaint against PAC. And all things considered, Grant feels pretty confident. I wasn't too fearful. I don't know if it's because maybe I'm, I'm a little bit older, I'm further along in, in, in my career, or because the volume has already been turned to 11, right? And also, Grant's not alone. In addition to the managers fired alongside him for security clearances, Satare also files a complaint with the Government Accountability Project over wrongful retaliation. Satare again. I wasn't by myself, and that was very, very good, very comforting. We had two excellent lawyers. Uh, One was Mark Zaid, and one was David Side. With them on our side, on my side, I knew that we were going to get through. David Side. We represent well over two dozen Voice of America and USAGM clients during this period. And without exception, each of them were victimized for doing nothing, for doing their job. Democrats and Republicans on Capitol Hill are alarmed to hear what's going on inside USAGM and this effort to turn the agency into a partisan mouthpiece. Ironically, it becomes a rare moment of bipartisanship. Some of the people who are most infuriated with Michael Pack and his management of the agency were the Republicans on, on the Hill. People who've, who've worked with our agency for, for many years and realize that it's important. In September 2020, Democratic Congressman Elliot Engel and Republican Michael McCall convene a hearing of the House Foreign Affairs Committee where they hear testimony from Grant and his colleagues. After three months of turmoil at the agency, after being fired, 
After being attacked, Grant gets to say his piece publicly. In the two and a half months I worked under Mr. Pack, he repeatedly breached the firewall designed to protect journalists and editors from political influence. Based on what I've witnessed, from small issues to very big ones, I don't believe Mr. Pack and his team came to run the agency. I don't think they even like it. This just isn't what normal people do. We obviously had a lot of support from Congress across the aisles. Libby Liu. Grant was so grounded as a person that he was able to take things in stride and just keep moving forward. Satare Sig. He was actually the only person who went in front of Congress and testified. He was brave to do that. And Grant represented everyone. David Folkenflik, again. When you had people come forward out of the shadows and speak for the record by their name and give voice to what was happening inside and present this not as deep state uh, uh, faceless bureaucrats, but human beings who have given years of their life uh, to the federal government, it has a different tone. As for Michael Pack, he defies a congressional subpoena and he doesn't appear. But thanks to Grant's testimony, Congress feels they have plenty of material to make a decision to investigate. It allowed uh, lawmakers in Congress who had concerns to articulate them. Also, it was bipartisan at times. You know, Michael McFaul of Texas on the House side uh, had real concerns about the independence of Voice of America. And it then triggered, of course, uh, serious investigations from the inspector general's office uh, at the State Department. The courts also get involved. One of the lawsuits filed on behalf of Grant, Satare, and the rest of the team results in a federal judge ruling that PAC's executive actions at the agency were unconstitutional. When lawsuits were filed, it allowed a federal judge to weigh in and, you know, say that not only what PAC was doing was wrong, but unconstitutional. Uh, and that really had a clarion call. A federally appointed judge, in absolutely unmistakable terms, uh, is articulating that what is happening is against the American Constitution because it's violating the free speech precepts embedded in the notion of what journalists do, and even when they work for the federal government, in this case especially because they worked for the federal government. When Joe Biden takes office in January 2021, he has a long to-do list. But close to the top of that list is USAGM. President Biden's first act was to remove Michael Pack. He did that within the first hour after his inauguration. And a little over a month later, Grant is reinstalled as the CFO. Ultimately, it was the election that mattered. If President Trump had, had won the election in November, Michael Pack would still be there. Satare is also cleared to return. I got a letter from Labor Relations saying that you're coming back. Satare is cleared of all of the allegations that have been leveled against her, including each of the anonymous complaints, which are proven to be baseless. And she gets to rejoin Voice of America. I'm currently serving as director of um, program review and special assistant to the program director um, at USAGM's Voice of America. It was as if I had never left. On May 10th, 2023, Grant, Satare, and their colleagues got the final validation they needed. That's when the U.S. Office of the Special Counsel notified President Biden that they had determined, 
after an 18-month independent investigation that the whistleblower reports of abuses by political operatives installed at the Voice of America, its sibling networks, and its oversight agency, USAGM, were true. It's a happy ending, but Libby Liu thinks the agency was saved only just in time. If the networks had started spewing propaganda, um, I think that that would have been disastrous. The reason the audiences will risk their lives to listen to the news that we're broadcasting is because their own governments are distorting their reality. So basically, if on the side of the informers, you also put that propaganda in, then the whole thing is worthless. And they can smell it. But Libby also believes there's something about the culture of USAGM that's stronger than any single person who may try to bend it to suit a political agenda. People that grow up in propagandistic societies, they know propaganda. That's why the truth is so resonant. But the editorial, the journalists, they had a deep understanding about what they're doing and why they're doing it. So that would take longer than Michael Pack to destroy More information has continued to bubble up about the craziness of Michael Pack's tenure. For example, during his reign in November 2020, it was reported that staffers in his office building were caught having sex against the windows, and a video was then leaked to the Daily Caller. Employees say they have since learned Pack's team tried to point the fingers at the agency's civil servants, claiming without evidence that the couple must have worked at Voice of America. The PAC folks try to suggest that it was VOA. Just when you think it, you can't get any weirder, you know, you, they throw in a sex tape. But even more shocking are the details that have surfaced since about how Michael Pack and his team tried to purge the agency of so-called deep state hacks like Grant Turner, Libby Liu, and Satare Sig. He spent a couple million dollars on, on outside attorneys to compile a dossier on me. The agency paid McGuire Woods at $1.6 million. McGuire Woods, a white shoe law firm. To over 60 people working on this, this project for McGuire Woods, at reading thousands of my emails, they go back years to find some kind of dirt on me that they could use. David sighed again. He had the bills from the law firm to see what they did for all that money. They built thousands of hours of attorney time at hundreds of dollars an hour to, to find nothing of significance that in any way hurt Mr. Turner. The last day that the, the Trump people were there, they sent out about 500 pages of information they had gathered on me to the Trump loyalists and the LGBT hate group that, that they put on our, our grantee networks boards. I happen to be gay and, and um, uh, they sent out this 500 page dossier to them with all these kind of false accusations about me. Sotare was also the subject of one of these dossiers. I found out that the PAC team put together 1,000 pages of document about 15 years of my work at VOA. And I was saddened by the money that was spent at the time that they put and the focus that they had on this. For Satare, her own experience living under a repressive regime gave her some perspective on the era of Michael Pack 
at USAGM. But it wasn't enough to change her mind about American democracy. I think that when you have gone through political persecution in your country of origin, you develop a very strong foundation and resilience. And this was not something that I could not handle. But I still believe in the basic values of a democratic political system in the United States. But another reason is the fight against Michael Pack's process was a collaborative one, and no one was truly on their own. Here's Grant. I've been really happy that people who care about the agency knew about it and were trying to do stuff about it and cared that, that we took these actions. And I think that's been en- enough. Next time on The Whistleblowers. In our final episode, we talk to two dissenters at the highest levels of government, including one who worked just down the hall from the Oval Office. In both of their cases, breaking ranks didn't just mean getting sidelined. It meant getting chased into the wilderness. The Whistleblowers is a production of iHeart Podcasts in partnership with Best Case Studios and Arc Media. It was hosted by me, Miles Taylor, and written by me, Isabel Evans, and Adam Pincus. Isabel Evans is also our producer. Associate producers are Hannah Leibowitz-Lockard and Ashley Warren. Darcy Peekle is consulting producer. Zach Herman is the VP of Development of Arc Media. This episode was edited by Max Michael Miller. Original music is by James Newberry. Executive producers are me, Miles Taylor, Adam Pincus for Best Case Studios, and Barrett Goodman for Arc Media. Beth Ann Macaluso is our executive producer for iHeartMedia, along with Ali Perry. Special thanks to Kevin Pham, all of our contributors and interviewees, and our intern, Anna Levitt. And a big thanks to the teams at Government Accountability Project and Whistleblower Aid, two of the best organizations for government and private sector whistleblowers seeking legal support. Follow and rate The Whistleblowers on the podcast site of your choice. To hear what these whistleblowers and others have to say about what they believe will happen under a second Trump administration or in the White House of a MAGA successor, you can pick up my new book, Blowback, from Simon & Schuster. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the Ferryman of Souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. Binge this season of The Passage now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. 
I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.